This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 98 of Jurassic Park. Uh, Brady, we are into the last month now of Jurassic Park Minute's existence. I know. I know. It's it's so crazy because I look back at um, Ghostbusters Minute and it felt so long. It felt mm-hmm. like such a long process. And this feels like we just started like last week. Yeah. And it's going to be done in like less than a month. So less than a month. Yeah. Now, I want to say we started Ghostbusters Minute in July and then it ended in October or no, November. Is that correct? Correct. Because we had already started on Jurassic Park Minute on October 17th. And yeah, Ghostbusters Minute was on July 4th and Goonies Minute started maybe like two months ago or something. So I think so. Yeah. And you guys still have a little bit longer to go in that movie. A couple more months, right? We do. We're coming up on an hour. Yeah, I think next week we'll hit an hour. So, and we are yeah. Uh, just yeah, 30, 30 more days. Uh, you know, Jurassic Park ends at uh, what I think uh, episode uh, one twenty. It was going to be our last uh, our last episode for this, and uh, it's, been, right. it's yeah. been a good time. It's been a good time. I want to say that I, um, you know, with Ghostbusters, I think I loved it when it started, and I continued to love it and appreciate it more as it went. Jurassic Park is a movie that I, I really love uh, to watch, but the deeper understanding of what's going on in the movie is something that I just kind of took it on face value. You know, I didn't really watch it for its deeper themes or really worry about, you know, how the movie, the production actually went, but doing this podcast has definitely made me appreciate, uh, at least the screenwriting more of the movie. You know, I think the technique of the film I already appreciated, but now like looking in deeper into, uh, Dr. Grant's character arc, uh, you know, uh, how John Hammond behaves and his overall, uh, personality. Those are things that I didn't really pick up on until we picked it apart minute by minute like this. So, I know that's the beauty of it. Um, it's it's so funny that you know over at Goonies Minute I'm doing it with Chris, who is a movie buff and he knows he knows his stuff, uh, but he's never really stopped to think about the the beauty of the movies by minutes format. So it's almost after we're done recording almost every episode, he's like, "Man, this is just such a good good idea to do." That. You know the way he talks is like that, but uh, yeah, he's just he's he loves uh, doing it like this. It's an it's an incredible way to. Um, Study film and to learn film, I think. It is, yeah. I, I would tell anyone who's a younger person who would like to get into the film industry or wants to become a screenwriter or an editor or really any facet of filmmaking um, to to do this, what we're doing here with the movie that you love. Uh, you know, it's, I think... A lot of filmmaking um, works on a subliminal, almost uh, like dreamlike level. You know, you're watching it and you don't really take into consideration. You know, you might notice the lighting, you might notice the sound effects and stuff like that. But there's so many different layers working on going on on a film that it comes across almost like uh, the second nature to you. You're not noticing all these things that are happening. But when you do take it like this and you break it down, it gives you a much deeper appreciation for it. I feel like I'm even more film literate coming out of this than I did going in, you know, Uh, which is pretty (laughs) fun. But yeah. Well, speaking of which, mm-hmm. before we get into the breakdown, um, there is something that I have never noticed in this movie. It's a pretty big, pretty obvious thing. But uh, what's that? It's well, we'll have to get into it whenever we get there. Um, but it's it's just funny that we're talking about this because it wasn't until we're breaking it down like this that I noticed I had been you know wrong or not noticed something so obvious in all the years that I've been watching this movie. But uh, okay, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there after the breakdown. Let's do it. Okay, great. Well, let's go ahead and jump into minute number ninety-eight. In the previous minute, we saw John Hammond attempt to talk Ellie out of going to the utility shed. 
As the minute ended, Ellie and Muldoon emerged from the utility shed, ready to go reset the power. At minute number 98, Ellie and Muldoon walk past the raptor confinement. They eventually come to a spot in the fence that has been torn open. At 98.15, Muldoon eyeballs the fence and looks down to see raptor tracks leading off into the jungle. Muldoon says that the shutdown must have turned off all of the fences. He goes on to say that even Nidri knew not to turn off the raptor fences. Muldoon then takes off his hat and looks around. He puts it back on and tells Ellie, Come on, this way. At 98.42, we cut to a shot of the jungle. A corridor of foliage leads to an open fence with the utility shed just beyond. At 98.46, Ellie turns to Muldoon and tells him that she can see the shed from where they are and that if they run now, they can make it. Muldoon raises his shotgun into frame and tells her, No, we can't. Ellie asks him why not. He says, Because we're being hunted. And thus ends minute number 98 of Jurassic Park. So, uh, of all the minutes we've done, I believe that this one ends on the best cliffhanger out of anything. You know, the minute starkly mm-hmm. ends as Muldoon has his shotgun there raised and he's peering off into the distance and he says, because we're being hunted. Up until this point in the film, we haven't seen any raptors yet. You know, we saw the eyeball of one there at the very beginning of the movie. We know they're dangerous, but if you went into this, not really, you know, not the kind of person who had seen like the action figures or anything like that. You don't really know what a velociraptor looks like other than the skeleton maybe we saw at the beginning of the movie. So you don't really know what, but you know, we're told they're vicious. We're told they're smart, but we don't really know what they look like yet. And I think that they hold it off until the last possible minute to great effect right now. We just know that they're smart enough to hunt you. And when he says, you know, because we're being hunted right now, we still don't know what these things look like. If this is your first time seeing the movie, you know, it, it, I don't think there's anything really that could prepare you for that first moment when we do see one's face coming up next week, you know, that it's, uh, it's, it's frightening. it's right. And, you know, we've had an entire movie worth of buildup into how special these things are, these Raptors, and we Mm -hmm. still haven't seen them. And so in this minute, which man, you talk about this, this minute has a beginning and an end. Uh, it yeah. starts with him coming out of the door of the bunker and it ends with him saying, because we're being hunted. Uh, whenever we're moving past the electrified fences, we're inside of the raptor pen, so to speak. And then the re- fences uh, are all, you know, just mangled and torn open. The way the music swells, the notes that it hits, everything is, oh shit, here, I'm about to meet these things face to face that I've been, you know, uh, told to be so afraid of this entire movie. So... It's a, they get a hell of an introduction that's broken down over different, um, different pieces. And it's always through, okay, seeing, seeing the fence mangled and then seeing him say, cause we're being hunted. It's straight ahead in the bushes. You know, we're getting all these little hints and we're not actually seeing it. And that's classic Spielberg for you. Yeah. You know, you see the, um, when the dock is pulled out from under the guys who are throwing the big ham out for the shark and jaws. And then suddenly that. As it's being pulled out in the ocean, it whips right around because the chain is still stuck in the shark's mouth. And little bits and pieces like that that are left out, you know, leave things up to the imagination uh, is so much more effective. Yeah, so, it is. And yeah. I, I want to uh, talk a moment just about the cinematography and the pacing of this minute as well, because it's really well done. I, I love the tracking shot of the camera that is up high looking down on the two of them as they're walking past the raptor pen and they stop in the middle and then the uh, camera, you know, slowly reveals that the fence has been torn up, you know. Some filmmakers yeah. would maybe just have that from a low angle where they look up and they just see it torn open. But the way Spielberg tracks the camera over and then there's the reveal of it in center screen is just uh, it's classic Spielberg. You know, like we've talked about yeah. a lot on this on this on this uh, on the show, 
you can watch any Steven Spielberg movie and look at it and you can almost see the hand-drawn storyboards and the pre-planning that went into the shot makeup of this scene, you know, and there's not, there's hardly a scene in any of his movies that doesn't use the camera as like slow reveals like that. So mm-hmm. I want to, I want to go back on what I was saying earlier too. And that sort of Hitchcockian Spielbergian, uh, man, I love those words, um, way of kind of, hinting at something normally it's it's you are seeing this thing without actually seeing it you are seeing the person being yanked around in the water you're seeing like i said the dock being kind of spun back around the boat being banged from underneath and um but with this it's like it's all the thing that we're supposed to be afraid of isn't there in that moment the raptors have broken through the fence they're not around us at the moment at least not as we know uh when muldoon is saying because we're being hunted we're not seeing the effects of the the beast like as it is actually doing it. So it's kind of a new way for Spielberg to use that technique and hint that it's there without seeing the effects of something that it is presently doing. Right. Yeah. So, and we know there it's leading to the split up of Ellie and Muldoon so that their personal situations can become more dire. They're alone. They're isolated by themselves. We know that they're there. We haven't seen the Raptors yet, but we know that they're somewhere off screen. We don't know what they look like or anything. So up until the moment that both of them are revealed and they both kind of are revealed in the same way, it's their head pokes through something (laughs) at the two of them, you know, but uh, the, the buildup and the tension is, is really well done. I want to get into something. Yeah. Um, I could never really understand what Muldoon is saying when he's kind of muttering to himself and he says, uh, that shutdown must have turned off all the fences. He, he kind of mutters that he has an accent and I, I, I was never really aware of exactly what he was saying. But I've always assumed that Nidri's shutdown of the system shut down everything, including the, the raptor pin fences. And so when he's saying even Nidri knew not to mess with those raptor fences, I always thought he was saying like, damn it, Nidri, you know, I would have thought you were even smart enough not to do that. But he's talking about how they just had to purge, you know, shut down the entire system. Ray shut it down, which shut down the raptor pin as well as everything else. And what he's saying is, damn it, even Nidri knew not to do that. Right. He was smart enough not to do that. So yeah, the Raptors haven't broken out until very recently. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. earlier on in the movie, when they're showing the shutdown of the fences, you know, the boop, 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 beep, 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 yeah. where all the fences are going, the Raptor paddock remains there because that's the first thing Muldoon asked about. That's the setup asked, for this later. Yeah. He says, well, what about the Raptor fences? And Ray goes over, checks the computer, says, no, they're still on. And John Hammond says, well, why the hell would he turn the other fences off? So there's a seed planted for that way early here in the movie. But, uh, you know, I, I could see that someone would not re- you know, realize that because they they make a point to say that the raptor fences are not turned off but if you're caught up in what's going on and you miss that little piece of dialogue it does seem like all of the dinosaurs are exactly. all of the time so but uh, it's like the, the point you were the point you were just making in that you know whenever you do go to break these things down minute by minute you are paying attention to the things that for 23 24 years however long however old this movie is we've just kind of like let slip by because we're so caught up in everything else and it's like, it's like a you can predict the words that are about to be said, so they don't really register. Well, I, and, I think that um, also speaks to the fact that you're a person, you know, and I'm, I'm much older than you, so I, I remember very vividly what was going on when I saw this movie. But you're a person, you were much younger when you saw this movie. You grew up with this movie, and just like a lot of things that you've known since you were very young, like maybe songs you've heard or something like that, you don't usually pick them apart the way you do things you see as you're older, as an adult. They become like second nature to you. And there's a lot of songs that I listened to when I was younger, and I never really paid attention 
attention uh, attention to the lyrics and now like I'll be I'll turn it on in my car and I'll actively like try to pick it apart and I'm like oh my god this song is horrible it's about suicide you know I thought it was actually about Puff the Magic Dragon or something like that you know but um, <laughs> it, it it's funny how when you grow up with something like that you don't I think give it the same critical eye because it's almost second nature and a part of your personality you know so yeah absolutely okay so two things one Muldoon should know better. Well, as soon as he sees that the Raptor fence is torn open, he should have said, nope, spun back around and gone right back through that door. If anybody's, you know, going to be aware of uh, the, the danger uh, of, you know, what's about to go down, it's him. Now, you know, there's this kind of crazy shot where we're low to the ground. He's knelt down and he's got that crazed look in his eye. He's just so focused. Ellie's kind of panting and looking all around in the background. It's a very strange uh, setup. And then he does this weird thing where he takes his hat off. Yeah. Like bends his head down, takes his hat off, looks up, looks got this crazy look in his eye, and then puts the hat back on. And um, I've, it's such a deliberate thing. I've never understood if there's some reasoning there, or if it's just something to kind of add to his quirkiness well, and his. I, I, oh, he's a little off. I, I was thinking about that when I was watching the scene, and I think I have an answer to your first question about you know Muldoon is smart enough to say nope and turn back around. I believe that him taking his hat off is him addressing the situation or really kind of considering it. There's no other option for them. They have to do this. They cannot get off the island unless they can make contact using the phones to outside uh, you know offices to get a helicopter to come and get them off the island. Muldoon knows that this. is is a do or die situation that they cannot, that the Raptors are now loose. You know, it's plus there's the fact that he's got a gun, you know, he's got a shotgun that, uh, you know, one of those things, it it could definitely, if he he gets close enough to a Raptor, it could tear its head off. You know, if he gets a good enough shot at kind of the center mass or the head of a Raptor, like no problem, one out of three down, you know? So I guess it's a calculated (laughs) risk he's taking there. And I think he's kind of weighing the options at that moment when he takes it off and he kind of looks into the jungle. He's like, okay, you know, I'm I'm smarter than they are to a degree. I have the better tool. I think that if we are careful enough, we could survive the situation. So if he did yeah. not go in there, eventually they would starve on the island, uh, you know, because they probably only have a limited amount of rations left. Uh, they can't get off the island. They can't contact anyone. And furthermore, they can't contact that boat that's coming back soon and tell them, do not bring all the workers back to the island because the dinosaurs are loose and he could be responsible for the deaths of many, many more people. So I think uh, just, but what it is in that situation, he takes off the hat. He addresses the situation, and, f- and there's no way out. You know, Muldoon's the guy that yeah. has to that has to take care of take care of business. T C O B. So that's uh, falls on Robert Muldoon right now. Very cool. Yeah. Very very cool. I had never seen it like that. Um, but hey, there you go. You know, you, when you when you Let's break see. it down minute by minute, you catch on to those things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that is all that I have, except that this is uh, one of the more tense moments in the movie. I think, and it's yeah. So much the music. Yeah, yes. John Williams is just on fire right here. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Laura Dern. It, the, the, the contrast between their performances, he's so still and so focused. And when he's looking and he's muttering, his eyes aren't blinking. They're yeah. not moving. They're just straight ahead. And she's, you know, behind him kind of twirling all around and freaking out. And so it's a it's an interesting moment. It's a shame he's still not alive. You know, I think that uh, we were yeah. proud of some more of uh, great work that he could have done. So, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. Both both the uh, both the actor and the character, because I really I you know yeah we're, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it soon enough. But it's um you know what an awesome character, and I really would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him. Totally, definitely. But you know what? That's why we get Timbo in uh, Roland Timbo in the Lost World. I think he kind of picks up where Muldoon leads off. All right, Brady, were you ready to go ahead and get out of here? 
Let's do it. Let's do it, folks. Make sure to come back tomorrow for minute number 99. I uncovered some really cool stuff about the next minute that I can't wait to talk to Brady about because he doesn't know anything about it. So, all right, folks, show back up tomorrow. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.